Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. I'd like us to think about faithfulness. Faithfulness, it's a characteristic that's often associated by perhaps those missionary heroes who have forsaken the luxuries and, in, and enjoyments of home and family in order to go overseas to serve the gospel. And indeed, they are heroes. I cannot imagine some of the challenges that they've walked through. But sometimes faithfulness is not so much about adventure, but just continuing to do what you do, even though what you do has a lot of boring bits. I've been reflecting quite a bit on Daniel, the character of Daniel recently. Often that story is told as an adventure story, dare to be a Daniel. But the reality is it was not so much an adventure, more about faithfulness in the midst of a very challenging situation as Daniel and his friends were hauled out of Jerusalem, taken off to a foreign country where the culture was completely alien to them and there they spent the rest of their lives often adapting to their new circumstances, but at times having to make a stand of faithfulness in their worship of the one true God. Faithfulness. It's what we all want to be as Christians. Faithful. We know that God is faithful to us. And so when we exhibit that characteristic, we're like him. Faithfulness. What does it mean to us on Mondays as well as Sundays? Sometimes it takes faith and faithfulness to stay as well as go. I've been there to that rocky hillside that used to slope down all the way to the Sea of Galilee. The water's much lower these days, and so the slope stops several hundred metres short of the shoreline. So a little imagination is needed. But the story in the New Testament, the story of the Gadarene demoniac encountering Jesus, is told with such detail and vivid colour, it's easy to stand there and picture the harrowing scene. Jesus was confronted by this screaming madman, a pitiful creature tormented by multiple demons. It's terrifying stuff, so much so that it could easily be a product of Stephen King's imagination. There's despair, agony, violence and the intimidating power of devilish control, all of which are dominating that poor man's life. But then Jesus comes by, and as usually happens, everything is different. No matter how dark the situation, how ingrained destructive patterns are in someone's life, Jesus can turn things around, and the previously tormented man now has a new agenda. When we meet Jesus, our worldview changes. The Spirit of God generates change in us that is much more than external behavioural revision. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is working in us, shaping and forming us into what God intends. If we insist that we've met and are meeting with God in a faith walk, but there's been little change made in our lives, let's question whether we're experiencing the real deal. Jesus doesn't just bring comfort, but challenge, revolution. There's always a danger that we settle for a nominal imitation of faith, a bit of a dab of God, if you will, for Sunday mornings, but nothing that would make much different to the way we do Monday mornings. Faith can become a token, a vague add-on rather than the core of who we are. 
Wilbur Rees describes that kind of nominalism in his famous poem, I'd like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love someone of a different ethnicity or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. But the former demoniac from Gadara experiences far more than a manageable portion of God. The screaming voices in his head were silenced at last, and the relentless desire to harm himself was banished to be replaced by a peace that is thick but mysterious. Little wonder that his first thought was to join Jesus' team. Thrilled beyond belief at his own deliverance, the formerly tormented man asks if he can accompany Jesus. Stop right there for a moment. Think how useful the shared testimony of such a man might be. He'd terrified a community with his evil outbursts and now was fully in his right mind, delivered, restored. But his offering of himself to travel with Jesus and Jesus' team was refused. He has another mission to attend to, one that involves his own people. He is called not to go, but to stay. When we think of other people who make big faith steps, travelling to different locations and embracing change happily, we can fret in response, wondering if our faith is worth much. But there are times when it takes more faith and faithfulness to stay than it takes to go, when faith calls us not to flee but to stand our ground. It's ordinary stuff and possibly nowhere near as exciting, but if that's what God says to you, then do it. What matters is not the staying or the going, but the walking with Jesus, wherever the location today. Radical conversion is not measured by the distance subsequently travelled or the upheaval experienced, but by the faithfulness offered. I know that there will be many premier listeners who are serving God faithfully, often doing fairly predictable and even tedious tasks in their churches, in their communities, well done, good and faithful servants. If we're called to stay, then let's embrace the adventure that is offered to those who obediently remain. What matters is faithfulness. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Joyce Mayer. Anything that we give up for God, He gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to to be in the perfect will of God because there's no better place to be. Listen to the full interview with Joyce Mayer now on The Profile Podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. We're thinking about what it means to faithfully follow Jesus all our days. I've talked about it extensively because the occasion was very significant for me, both in terms of commitment and embarrassment. My baptism by immersion was a disaster. Let's just say that I decided to write the song and sing a duet. And when I sing, people cry out to God in prayer that I might stop. 
The song, which I composed especially for the occasion, was cheesy and lengthy. If you're interested in hearing the six-verse epic, order the album that I recorded called Songs the Lord Rejected, published by Music to Go Mad By. I'm kidding. It doesn't exist. Back at the baptism, there was the moment when I went under the water, and at that moment, I kicked my legs up, drenching some perfectly innocent members of the congregation who were unfortunate enough to be sitting on the front row. But there were two elements to the evening that linger in my memory for more positive reasons. Before going down into the tank and the tepid water, each person being baptised was given a verse from the Bible to mark the occasion. My verse was Jeremiah 33 verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. This was really comforting because I received a clear call to Christian leadership just a few weeks after my conversion and was totally ignorant of all things biblical. Kay and I would be church planting just four years later with me as a senior minister at just 21 and her a minister's wife at 18. We were blessed with a patient and long-suffering congregation that smiled encouragingly while being told how to live by someone barely out of adolescence. But we were also sustained by the knowledge that God would be faithful and would fill in the blanks for us and teach us as we journeyed. Again, back at the baptism, there was one other aspect of the evening that stands out. As we emerged dripping, and in my case with the front row joining me in a time of dripping, we sang the chorus of Robert Lowry's famous hymn, Follow, Follow, I Will Follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere, I will follow on. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. Anywhere he leads me, I will follow on. As a fresh-faced 17-year-old, I sang that hymn that night without reservation or too much thought. My life was simple. I was single, without responsibilities, without a mortgage, without a family to provide for. Time has passed and the young lad with hair, a lot of it, has morphed into a 64-year-old with hair, just a little of it. The long locks, once permed, what was I thinking, have been replaced by a shrinking peninsula that used to look like Texas on the top of my head, but has now receded into something reminiscent of the Isle of Wight but there have been other more substantial changes. The new believer that was me was handed a set of ideas, doctrines that I accepted without question. After all, what did I know? Four decades on, I've been forced to fiercely interrogate what I believe. The foundations remain sure. But as for some of the details, I now have a theological pending file where I place subjects about which I've become less certain. There have been some battles along the way. I've seen the best and worst of church. I've sat at the boardroom tables of Christian organisations and have witnessed some appalling behaviour. I know what it is to open a platform of opportunity for other ministries, only to then feel the sharp pain of them stagging me in the back. I've watched as respected fellow leaders have stolen the money, slept with the wrong person, or got ensnared by addiction. None of this is mentioned to elicit sympathy. Rather, I just want to be honest about the trek so far. And then there's been one person that has disappointed me most. That would be me. I rather expected that I would have been better, holier, more proficient at praying, more patient. The list could go on. I rather thought I'd be a little more grown up than I am at this stage of life. But this much is sure. 
Jesus has been unendingly kind and faithful to me. Much of the time I don't know what he's doing and some of the time I don't like what he's doing, but this I do know, he is good, beautiful, gracious, generous, faithful. And so I still want to follow him and I hope it's true that I'd be willing to do that anywhere, everywhere, as the old song says. Maybe being all grown up is not just about arrival, it's about daily continuing the journey. My ministry in writing, preaching, broadcasting and church leadership comes not from one who feels mature, one who's arrived, but rather from one who is still pursuing maturity. Permit me one more song, again on the theme of following. It's a song made popular by the huge evangelistic events by the late great Billy Graham. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It's said that that song is based on the last words of an Indian martyr, Nokseng, a Garu man, a tribe from Meghalaya, which was then in Assam. The man converted to Christianity in the middle of the 19th century. He came from a tribe of headhunters, where the men of the community had to collect as many heads as possible. A man's strength and ability to protect his wife was assessed by the number of heads he had gathered. A group of Welsh missionaries came into the community, spreading the message of love, peace and hope of Jesus Christ, and they received a hostile reception. But one family came to Christ, a husband and wife and their two children. Soon, many villagers began to accept Christianity, which incensed the village chief, who called a public meeting and then challenged the family that had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the man instantly composed a song which became famous down the years. He sang, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The chief ordered the immediate execution of his two children. As both boys lay twitching on the floor, the chief asked, Will you deny your faith now? You've lost both your children. You'll lose your wife too. But the man sang these words in reply, Though no one joins me, Still I will follow, no turning back, no turning back. Furious now, the chief ordered the wife to be arrowed down. In a moment she joined her two children in death. Now he asked for the last time, I will give you one more opportunity to deny your faith and live. In the face of death, the man sang the final memorable lines, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. He was killed like the rest of his family. But with their deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who'd ordered the killings was moved by the faith of this family. He wondered, why should this man, his wife and two children, die for someone who lived in a faraway land on another continent? There must be some supernatural power behind that family, and I too want that supernatural power. In a spontaneous confession of faith, he declared, I too belong to Jesus Christ. When the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as their Lord and Saviour. That man stood firm under gargantuan pressure. The Bible encourages us to be faithful, to stand firm on the evil day. And what an evil day that man experienced as he watched his family be wiped out and then went on to his own death. And to be honest, I find it really hard to relate to such heroic faithfulness. I'd rather certain that I'd respond differently if somebody was pointed a gun or an arrow in my direction. But having decided to follow Jesus all those years ago, I don't want to turn back. I'd like to stand firm. 
And so, in recent days, I've affirmed my life choice once again. Recommitment is good and there's precedent for it. Invited by Jesus to follow, three years later, Peter was given the opportunity to once again affirm his love and loyalty to Christ. Peter, he'd seen the best and worst of himself, stunned by his own betrayal of Jesus, red-faced over his sword swinging that could have cost a chap one of his ears, and counted among those who fled when Jesus was arrested. Now, Peter was given the chance to reaffirm his decision to follow. And that conversation included a news flash from Jesus, as Peter learned that an ongoing choice to follow, a choice to be faithful, would lead to arrest and death. He would live the rest of his life on prophetic death row. But undeterred, thrilled by the vision, sobered by the sacrifice, he made his decision, and in the choosing, he became the world changer that was Peter. He became a world changer. Today, whatever is past, whatever is now, whatever is ahead, May this description be true of us. We love Jesus and we will faithfully follow him all the way home. Lucas on Life.